There is nothing, absolutely nothing, like being able to serve yourself food when you need it. And that's what On Demand is about. You get to sit down at the Word of God when you can, when you're off work, when you have free time, and allow God to speak to you. So you're here with me today to have an On Demand journey. So join me today for a message that will unlock truth in your life and give you peace and blessing, I pray in Jesus' name. Enjoy today's message. I want to read something that's just not in your notes. I've, I, I, it's already... Uh, uh, the time of, it's the time of season, let me say it this way, when you feel compelled to talk about the Christmas story. Luke chapter uh, 1 verse 26 is in your notes, but I want to jump ahead to Luke chapter 2 for just a minute. This is not in your notes. Luke chapter 2 said, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This season, the census rather, first took place while... Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Verse 7 of chapter 2 of Luke And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. For just a moment, I want you to think about this. Mary is now living in a moment that is way beyond any moment she'd ever imagined. She dreamed to love God and get married. That was her dream. But the dream she's now experiencing is something that's way beyond her dream something she never imagined. It's a bigger dream. Have you ever had a moment that was bigger than you expected? Something that was completely new and you had to adapt to it. Today's sermon fits into our series. The series we're doing this year coming up is called Dreaming Again. Can you say it with me, please? Come on. Today, we're going to continue our series. The first part of the sermon, we talked about managing your dreams and how Moses mismanaged his dreams. Then we talk about defining your dreams and deciding that you are not going to just quit and stop, but you're going to continue on in life. Today, we take that a step further and we talk about something that's important. It's called adapting to a bigger dream. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. All year long, we try to answer one big question. The big question we try to answer is how this year? How do you dream again is the question. At some point in your life, you stop dreaming. At some point in your life, if you're not careful, it all stops. 61, 2, 3, name your age. I don't know. After you get through a certain period of your life, you stop dreaming. I want to all year long get you to think about how do I crank that back up? How do I dream again? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to decide to manage all those dreams differently. Secondly, you've got to redefine what dreaming is. And then thirdly, you've got to adapt to a bigger dream, bigger than what you had before. Imagine Mary now is in a dream that's way beyond what she ever could have imagined, a dream that no one else is going to believe. It's really not easy to convince people that you had a virgin birth. One of our teenagers came to me the other day and asked me about that. She said, can I ask you a question? Now, I heard about this virgin birth. Could you explain that? I thought, where are your parents? 
<laughs> you want to ask me that question like I know the answer. And she wasn't standing for a no answer like, I'm waiting, preacher man. And I, so I told her and she kept asking. I had to keep digging deeper and finally said, okay, girl, here's what it means. And I just told her, oh, for real? I said, yeah, for real. And as we talked about, it was a moment where I realized that sometimes in life, adapting to something that's new, for her that was a new explanation, was difficult. But all of us have moments when it's difficult. Mary is in a, in a difficult moment. This is a dream that's really not quite as simple as it sounds. She's canoeing, if I can say it this way, to a new place. There's a book I want to show you. Um, you know, I love to show you books. This is the book I'm reading. It's called Canoeing the Mountains, Christian Leadership in Uncharted Territory by a guy named Todd E. Bolsinger. It's a great book. And uh, I want to just, if I can, I, I, I want to give you, I have a quote I wrote in your notes for you, but I need to add a little bit more to it because I left a little bit out because I just want to save space. But let me read the first part, and then I'll show you where your, your, your quote start, starts. According to a guy named Ronald Heifetz and Mary Linsk, Adaptive leadership, everybody say that word, please say adaptive leadership, is about finding the best known or most available fix to a problem. So a leader or a person in life comes to a moment where they have to adapt. Parents, you get this right. So adaptive leadership, you come to that moment when you realize, I can't do it the same way I've done it before. I've got to canoe, if I can't say it that way, to a new place. I've got to paddle myself to a new place. That's what this book is about. Adapting to the changing, this is what you have in your notes, adapting to the changing environment or circumstances so that the new possibilities arise for, for accurately seeing. Put in bold prints for you. Say seeing, seeing. Understanding, understanding, facing challenges. Watch this now, with new actions. Watch this now. Just as, just as an organism must adapt in order to thrive in a changing environment, so organizations need to adapt to change to the changing world around them without losing their core identity, their reason for being, their core values and purpose. This kind of leadership is complex and fraught with things that bother you. Watch this. Say it with me, please. Say loss. loss. Watch this. Say it again. Loss, loss. fears, fear. anxiety. And I love this now, causing us to feel off balance and, there's a big word, insecure. This young girl had to feel all of that. Insecure, off balance. How do you explain this to people? What do you say to folks? There, there's this incredible moment where you find yourself, as I said, canoeing to a new place. Uh, on my website, rickytemple.com, R-S-C-K-Y temple.com, this is my book of the season, I call it, you know, I have a book for you, and there's a video attached to it where the guy talks about this for like four minutes. You can't get bored in four minutes, right? And the bottom line of the whole thing in this book is simple. What's behind you is behind you. You now are canoeing to a new place. That's what Mary was doing. Girl's in a boat, and she is paddling, she and her man to a new place, a place that's fraught with a lot of different dynamics that are not easy and, and simple to explain and that are not, it's not always fun. Adjusting to a new dream, when everything around you is different, going in different directions can be really hard. I want you to sit in her seat for a minute and ask yourself this big question for today, how good are you at changing directions when the unexpected happens? That's today's question. How good are you at changing directions when everything around you has completely changed? It's not the same. And let me tell you this, it will never be the same. 
Churches are going through this in a major way. Nonprofits are going through this in a major way. Because now, watch this, they're not all in the building. They're home. They're online. They're on demand. And they really believe they're here. And they are. But how do we adjust to make that possible? How do we connect with people in ways that's totally different? I, I believe very strongly that sometimes we get so lost in this one expression, getting people in this building, and they'll come in on average for one hour in an average church. Now, some churches is five hours, but the average is about an hour and some change. But what about the other 23 hours? How do you reach people beyond the building? How do you touch people's lives? And can you adapt your heart and mind to that? Can you adapt to your kids growing older? Can you adapt to you being in, being in the house alone, empty nester? Can you adapt to the changes in your life? You're watching a young girl adapt, and let me tell you, she's amazing. She's an amazing example for all of us because here's a girl who had three dreams that she never, ever had for her life. Number one, she never dreamed that she would be chosen by God for a special assignment. Never dreamed that. Number two, she never dreamed that she'd have an unexplainable issue. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Unexplainable issue. Say it big. Come on. One more time. Unexplainable issue. Do you have an unexplainable issue? How you got into this financial place? How this, I don't know what it is in your life, but what is unexplainable that you can't just say to people and they get it? It's unexplainable. Thirdly, have you ever had a complicated engagement? Now her engagement, her relationship with Joseph is complicated in a lot of ways. And it was so powerful, this teenager, when they asked me this question, wanted to know more about, well, tell me more about their relationship. Uh, didn't they have a relationship? And I said, no, no, they waited a year. Waited a year? Really? It was amazing. Complicated, hard to explain, hard to put in words. But sometimes it's like that. But I love, I love the fact that in her response, there was a statement made, the angel, when he spoke to her. Let me read Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, and, and this kind of chronicles the birth from, the, from another perspective. Now, Luke 1, 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed for a to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come, the angel said to her, what did he say? Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with who? you. Blessed are you among women. So, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You should call his name Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of David forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary asked this incredible question. She said, how, how can that be? Since I don't fool around. I don't have relationships with men before I'm married. I don't, how, how's that going to happen? Notice that this is a teenage person talking back. This is a teenage person who's clear. Verse 35, and the angels answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, almost done. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month uh, for her who was called barren. Verse, you want proof? Go check with your, your relative. She's pregnant, too. For with God, nothing is impossible. Can you read that with me? Please come on. With what? God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. In other words, whatever you want, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, 
Let it be to me according to your word. Listen to that, folks. There is a statement that's not made often. Oftentimes, God is given conditions. Here she says, as a teenage girl, let it be to me as you please. And the angel departed, and that's the story of the virgin birth of Jesus. Mary's response to me has an incredible light at it, in it. The three things she did that was impressive. One, she listened. Didn't agree, didn't understand, but she listened. How good are you at that? If you're going to adapt to change, you, you must listen first. Secondly, she put her fears in check because it was scary. It is scary to adapt to change, especially bigger change. Scary to move to a new city, new job. It's scary, it's scary. It's a scary moment. Thirdly, watch this now, she has moral convictions. She stops the angel and says, excuse me, how is that going to happen, sir? I don't understand. I love the fact that she has convictions. Listen to me. She has absolutes. We live in a world where there are no absolutes. The cultural trend says there's no boundaries. And if you bother me with a boundary, and if you tell me I can't do something, if you tell me, then you're not being fair to me. And finally, watch this, number four, she's willing to be a servant. She's a servant-minded person. I love that. That's what made her special. You want to know why she's chosen? Because God knew she'd listen. You know why she's chosen? Because God knew that she would step over her fears. I love this. As a teenager, she stepped over it. Not an adult person. This is a strong teenage person. And then she has conviction. I will do this. I will not do that. There are absolutes in her mind. And she doesn't mind not being in charge. She's a servant-minded person. The three big questions that help you with dreams like Mary's. Three things that might help you. Number one. What has come up in your life that you never dreamed would happen? Think about that for a minute. We can talk about Mary for a minute, but I want to talk about you. What has come up in your life that you never dreamed ever would happen? You're there now. You're in the middle of it now. You're trying to manage it now. What are you managing that you never dreamed? I thought it would be great to tell you some things I never dreamed that came up in my life. Not that you care, but you're going to hear it today because I'm preaching. <laughs> <laughs> I never dreamed to be a preacher. Ever. Isn't that clear? When I say you ne never, ever, just like, do you dream it? Do you dream it? No. I'm like you. I never dreamed it. Ever. I'm like you. So you might be me. That's scary, isn't it, right? I'm a teacher, preacher. Never thought in my life. Number two, I never dreamed to be married and have a family. Ever. <laughs> that may surprise you. I never, married what? Married? When people used to ask me before I was married, was I ever going to get married? I said, how do you spell that? That was my answer. I said, I think there's an M in there. I've heard that word before. Thirdly, I never dreamed to manage large amounts of money. I, I never dreamed it. Who would ever think a million dollars would pass through my hands in any way? Or several million? Who would think that would happen in a year? Never dreamed. I never dreamed to ever manage a staff. What is that? Never thought it, dreamed it, asked for it, never, ever. I never dreamed to be an entrepreneur. Then when they asked me in the eighth grade, what did I want to be? When I grew up, I said, a luggage handler. I'm not kidding you. They had a list of choices, and I, hey, that looks cool. Working with planes, loading luggage. So every time I'm looking out the window, I go, God, thank you. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the honorable job. Honorable job, I'm just saying. It's amazing that I'm living in a bigger dream, and that, my friend, is emotional. 
you might ask this second question, well, what did you dream? <laughs> what did you dream in your early days before you were 15? I dreamed of a nine-to-five job that paid me a salary that was set by somebody else. I dreamed of a beautiful girlfriend I could live with, not a wife. I, I just, you might say, what were you like? This? I, I just never thought of it. Honest to God, I never, I never was a kid. I said, I want to have a family and the kids and the, the picket fence. Never, none of that was in my mind at all. My whole concept of marriage was, you know, quite unique. I dreamed of being, <laughs> you said, what do you mean by that? Well, it was just awful. I, just never, I never understood. I didn't know anybody that was happily married. My mom never married. She's a good person. She never married. I, I never, I just didn't know anybody. Why would I want this stuff? What is there about this that's so exciting? I never, we didn't go to church until I was around 15. We went, like I told you, every now and, pause, 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 pause. Pause a little longer. Then, and then pause another year or two. It was just, it was just not a part of my life. And if you've always been a church person, you don't understand how people who aren't in church think. Let me, let me help you. They don't care what you're doing. They ain't thinking about you today. They're at the golf course. Man, they're they not thinking about you. They don't care whether you're dancing here for four hours or fall out or speak in tongues or uh, flip or whatever. That's you. It's your business. They do not get the connection. And here's what's scary. Here's what's scary. The generations coming are worse. Numerically, they're different. They're totally different. Churches are going to be stunned. It's already happening. The decline is amazing. And it's, it's, it's because you have what they call, and it's bit, I'm going to talk about this later in the next year, you know, if they ask you on an application, are you Baptist, are you Methodist, are you none of the above? The nuns are now becoming the majority. More people are not going. 80% don't go to church anymore. They say in a few years it will be down to 17%. It's amazing. And here you are, if you're not careful, lost in some land where you think you are everything and you know everything and you understand everything and you are slowly becoming insignificant to a lot of people. If you don't believe me, look at the people on your job. Listen to what they say. Listen to their boundaries and notice the shift. So the big question for us is, <sighs> what are we dreaming about? I dream that can change. I dream that we can see a bigger world than that. I believe that that can happen. I used to play basketball. That was my dream. Every Sunday was the gym day. I'd dress up in my white tennis shoes, and I'd go to the gym. I was the guy walking down the street with the basketball, playing loud music, Michael Jackson, and dancing on the way there. That was me. That's Pastor Rick. Yeah, that's him right there. And somehow in the midst of that, there was a change. Let me show you what, let me tell you what brought my change. You ready? There are four things, three things. Number one, four things, a spiritual awakening. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. I gave God entrance into, into my life, not as a religious thing. There are a lot of people who are, and I'm going to talk more about this down the road here, you're, you're a cultural Christian, which means it's part of your culture. It's not part of your lifestyle. The way you live and think and make decisions is not tied to a, to a biblical foundation. It is basically something you create on your own. And you give yourself permission because you write your own Bible, your own views, and that's okay. That's what you want to do. You know, you have that right. But for me, there was a spiritual awakening where I said, God, I really want your will in my life. Secondly, I had what I call new relationships. I met people who made me want what they had in life. That's what changed my life. That's what gave me a bigger dream, new relationships. Sometimes the people in your life limit your vision. Thirdly, I had, and I love this now, I had, and I'm sorry, I missed one, broader exposure. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. 
Yeah, get excited, skip over things. Let's say, Lord, come on, say spiritual awakening, a broad exposure, new relationships. When you meet people and you broaden your mind, everything changes. For the first time, I saw marriage differently. For the first time, I saw people differently. And then lastly, I had academic success. Now, that is amazing to me. Learning changed my life. Reading changed my life. It brought the world to me <laughs> in, a, in a way that surprises me. I am stunned that I love to learn. I am stunned that somewhere in my early childhood that that could have been cranked up even more. You know, I was taught you pass. I, I, I didn't fully understand the dean's list until way later in life. I, I didn't, not that I was, I was you know, I, I could read and write and I was intelligent. But I wasn't as hungry as I would have been if I had been exposed. It changed my life. And it can change yours. So what's going to happen in your life? We can talk about Mary all day, right? We're excited about what God did through her. We're excited about the birth of Christ. But what about you? Can you adapt to a bigger dream? Bigger than the one you've had? Can you see beyond where you are now? Can you invite God to do something? Or are you going to be one of those people we're going to talk about next week? People who never reach their dreams. People who allow things to come in their life and they never reach their dreams. Here's what I want you to think about. Do you know anybody that never reached their dreams? Have you ever met somebody like that? Have you ever talked to them? Here's what's fascinating. If you know somebody that didn't get there, ask them what happened. Ask them what got in the way. Here's what I believe is true. God has a bigger dream for you. Mary walked into that bigger dream and impressed us all. The question is, will you walk into yours? Can we all stand, please? Father, today we leave this place having sung about you, thought about you, worshipped you. And now we're thinking about a bigger dream. Something beyond what we've experienced you have larger opportunities for us but we have to change the way we think in order for that to happen we have to open our hearts to new relationships we have to be unafraid of change it's not always easy to face yourself but what better time than at the end of the year to tally up how it's working Look at the preacher, I'm sorry. I love this Dr. Phil moment, right? Bring Dr. Phil into the prayer, right? He has this habit of saying, look at what you're doing and ask yourself, how is it working? I just love that little line he says, how is it going? If this does not work, change it. On the way to church today, I, I told you in the coming year, I have these series I'm going to do, right? One is on if, if you, how, how, the question is how do you um, dream again one is you focus on your future right? next month you focus on your finances right? and then I, I had this third one right, I was going to do and it, and it dawned on me now I'm going to do something a little bit different do you know what can really help you have a, an amazing dream in the future foreknowledge the Bible says that based on what God foreknew, he pre-
predetermined. He has an advantage. He can see in the future. He doesn't see the time like we do. We're in time. He sees time this way. He sees the whole picture. He sees the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He sees it all. And based on that, he then plans. He says, hey, hey, don't do that because this, this is what's going to happen here if you do that. So, so imagine for a moment if you could just look at your life and see what can I do that would stop me from failing? And that's where people could help you. Here's what I did. I didn't save any money. Here's what I did. I didn't take care of my body. Here's what I did. I, I let my mouth put me in bad places. I allowed myself to be driven into love relationships that were unhealthy for me. I was running around, running around, looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around. The average person has seven intimate partners in their life. Read that and below. That's the truth. It's the average statistics. But did they work? Look at it. What have you learned from your relationships? What did you learn from that? You can head yourself off. You can stop a lot of problems in your life with a little bit of foreknowledge, a little bit of insight. So as I conclude the prayer, Father, we ask you, help us to look down the road with you. Help us to trust you. Help us to be honest about what does not work. This attitude, this response, this way of thinking, this way of living, believing, serving you. So I invite you this year to touch my life. I invite you to give me a new beginning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing your message today, I want you to pray for me. My one concern is my relationship with the living God. I need a reboot, a restart. You may have never given your life to Christ. You may be like me, lived all those years and never really genuinely gave your life to God. And maybe you're one of those people who did, but you kind of swayed away. But wherever you land on that, I want to pray for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed for your privacy, just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Say, pray for me, Pastor. That's me. I need you. Thank you. Anybody else saying, pray for me? Pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. That's me. I see you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor? Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. That's me. I need you to pray for me today. I need God today. I need to leave this place having made a decision to go in a different direction. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you in front. Anything else? Anybody else saying, pray for me? I see you. Thank you. Father, we pray for all those who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts. May this be the beginning of a new day for them where they say, you know, I want to dream again. I want to dream a new dream, a dream of serving you. You died on the cross to give me an opportunity to be, be free. Jesus came to save his people from their sins, from their failures, from their blindness, so that they may have a new life. And let this be the beginning, both in this building and at home or on demand, wherever they're watching it. And may this be the changing moment of their life forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody say well, I pray you enjoyed today's message. I pray that it lifted you up. You know, the Bible said the word of God can go down to the very marrow of the bone. It can reach into the very deep parts of your soul. And I hope you were blessed today. If you like the message, it helped you link it and send it to a friend. I really appreciate you being with us today. And I pray that God will use this word to bless you and many others. You have a blessed day. God bless.